Father, we thank you, Father, for this morning. Uh, Father, we want to confess with Peter. Where shall we go? You and you alone have the words of life. You said, Lord, it is a spirit which brings life and the flesh profits nothing. And the word that you speak, they are spirit and they are life. I pray, Father, this morning, even as we meditate upon your word, O Lord, speak to our hearts. You want to hear from you. Father, impress, Lord, your word in the innermost parts and cause us to walk in your ways. Write them on the tables of our heart. Oh, Father, that's what you promised in the new covenant. Father, the letter kills, Lord. It is a spirit which brings life. Oh, Lord, I pray, Father, that you will take this word, anoint it, and impress it in the deepmost parts of a man. And that we will change, O oh Lord, from the inside out. Not just merely external. Oh Father, to that end I pray, Lord, that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word. That you would grant us all, Father, the grace to concentrate and to focus. O oh Lord, I bind every spirit of destruction in the name of Jesus and release all of us for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. I've titled today's message uh, as Counting the Cost. Counting the Cost. We'll look at that today. Um, if you were here last uh, Sunday, um, we were talking about the two calls for every believer. It is come to me and come after me. Just keep that in your mind even as we progress through today's sermon. Um, the great commission is to make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe, to obey all the things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the ends of the earth. This is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is just not mere making converts. No. Great Commission is to be made disciples. And that's what Jesus was right from the beginning. Even as he grew up, it says in Isaiah chapter 50, the sovereign Lord has given me the tongue of the instructed. Or a, or a learned tongue. It's actually the word uh, in the Hebrew which comes from the word limuth, which means to have the tongue of a disciple. And he was himself a disciple of God, of his father. And he, being a disciple of his father, says, just as the father sent me, I send you into the world. Just as the father sent me and made me a disciple, even as I grew up in his presence, I sent you that you will make disciples of Every nation. So that is the call. And there is no plan B, by the way. Okay, it says in Mark's Gospel chapter 16, he who, whoever believes 
and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe shall be condemned. You see? There's no plan B. There is absolutely no plan B. Sometimes we have this wrong notion that, okay, I'm converted for, but disciples, discipleship is for this elect, this elite group of people. No, it's for everybody. The call is a call to discipleship, just not to mere converts. And therefore, we will look at a very interesting passage in uh, the New New Testament. Keep in mind uh, last Sunday's message, uh, coming after and come, come, to, come unto me and coming after. You'll see that these two things, these two phrases coming together in a particular passage in the New Testament. I'm referring obviously to Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. Now great multitudes, we'll read first through the passage and then we will meditate. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, and Jesus is, whenever multitudes come, he is never excited. Okay. Jesus is never interested in numbers. Doesn't mean that he doesn't want people to get saved, but that is not what he looks for. Great multitudes went with him and most of them were this curious crowd because he did quite a number of miracles. It says in John's Gospel chapter 2, many of them believed in him after they after they saw the signs that Jesus performed. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to anybody because he knew what was in every man. Okay. So just because you follow him and you may be just curious and Jesus is not looking to entertain people. He's making, he's, this is a serious walk. This is what he's going to say. He says, now great multitudes went with him and he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me, you see that first part, we looked at that last time. That's the first call, two calls, first call, comes to me and does not hate. Wow. It's a shock value. I mean, can you imagine the same God who says, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. Same God, he says, does not hate his father, the closest of relationships, his mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life cannot, you'll see the word cannot, cannot come in, cannot be my disciple and whoever does not bear his cross and what? Come after me. You see that these two coming together? Come to me and coming after me. So coming after him obviously involves taking up his cross. Cannot be my disciple. And he goes, goes on to say, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he had laid the foundation is not able to finish all who see it, begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war Against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able to able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So, likewise whoever of you does not forsake all what again? Cannot be my disciple. You see that third cannot? Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears, let him hear. 
That's remarkable. So, possibly one of the most the difficult passages to obey. And you, if you look at the word blessed in the New Testament, just search for the word blessed. Uh, it's very easy these days. You have search engines which can help you do that. Um, it's, it occurs several times in Matthew. I think it's about 18 times and more than 10 times in Luke and Mark. But when you come to the gospel according to John, it occurs only twice, if I'm right. And the first time it occurs, it says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you, what is that? Anybody can complete that word? Do them. Blessing is not for just hearing and knowing. Blessing, true blessedness, comes when you obey. Understand that. Understand that. I just want to look at each of these aspects in some detail, not in great detail, some detail to understand what does it mean to be a disciple. Luke's Gospel chapter 14, let's take a few verses at a time. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, of course we'll come to his own life later, but cannot be my disciple. You might have read this word several times, but did you ever ask this question, what does it mean to hate? What does it mean to hate? It's it's remarkable. When Jesus never uses words without purpose. The same God who said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, I did not come to condemn the world, but the world through me might be saved. Jesus Christ is a God who's, who died for your sin, not only for the, your sin, but the sin of the whole world. The same God who said he is a God of love uses the word hate. I mean, how do we understand this? I, I was trying to understand, Lord, what does it mean to hate? See, you need to understand, you might, you might have had intuitive, uh, intuitive understanding when you read this. Okay, what does it mean to hate? Maybe saying, uh, love him more, love him less, etc. Whatever. Whatever understanding you may be having. But, you know, you should understand it from scripture. What does it mean to hate your father, your mother, your wife? One man of God, when he was preaching from this sermon, he titled his sermon, How to Hate Your Wife. Shocking. (laughs) And he just went on. So if you, men here want to hate your wife, almost sometimes, listen to this. You want to understand what hatred is therefore, when God is talking about hatred, what does he mean? I want to look at it from scripture. You know, the, there is there is there is theory, if you will, doctrine in the in the new covenant, and practically things work out in the old testament. So patterns are given in the old testament to see what hatred is. Okay. Hmm. You know the story of uh, Jacob. Okay. Jacob is a man who fell in love. Okay. You remember the story of Jacob? Jacob is the first person in the Bible who experience love at first sight. Okay. And he paid for it. 
Okay. It's, 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 I mean, it's remarkable, no? Bible is such a candid book. It does not whitewash anybody. It shows the flaws of the people involved just the way they are. Except one man where you cannot even find one flaw. And that is who? Jesus himself. Every other character including the greatest apostle, Apostle Paul. He's flawed. Okay. So you know the story of Jacob and you know that when he falls and he goes to Laban and Laban says, he goes, I want to marry your daughter. Laban says, work for me seven years. And you remember the story, right? He says, uh, seven years he works for uh, Rachel and because of the love for Rachel, it seemed to him just like few days. Okay. That's remarkable. And then what happens? You know, you know, this guy meets his match. Jacob meets his match in Laban. And then, of course, Laban is a very smart fellow. He understands, oh, my elder daughter is a little squint-eyed. Nobody's going to see him, see her. How do I get her married? So he devises a plan. He gets Jacob drunk on the night of the wedding. And Jacob has no idea what's going on because he's absolutely drunk. He's, he's, comp- he's, he's, he's thinking, oh, I'm going to meet my love tonight. So he meets somebody in the night. And it's, scripture is graphic and I like to read it from the KJV, okay? Because KJV kind of puts some funny notes in it. Reading from Genesis chapter 29 verses 25 to 31. Of course, what does it mean to hate? Okay, just don't forget that in the context. Why I'm saying this in the context? What in which context I'm saying this? This is in Genesis chapter 25 verses 20, uh, 29 verses 25 to 31 in the KJV. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, <laughs> it was Leah. I mean, David Parson is like is you graphically put put graphic. I mean, he's very graphic. Okay, it's a system. Imagine, okay. This guy is like, oh, gets up in the morning and he turns and two eyes are just looking at him. <laughs> Think about that. He's just looking at those two eyes, squint eyes looking. He gets up. I mean, just, just imagine it. He just, he just wraps his, cr- and he runs out of the tent. He runs to Laban. And then he uses the KJV language. What is this thou hast done to me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? I mean, I want to do this play. Okay, two characters speaking in KJV. It didn't happen that way. Okay, that's the reason I put that. Okay, sarcastic. And then, and Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. And Jacob did so. And so he said, okay, fine, you want to take my other daughter for as a wife? Seven more years. Work for her and you'll have Rachel. So he said, but he loved Rachel. Okay, just because God loves it doesn't mean he endorses it. You need to understand something. 
one of the greatest men in the old covenant. I mean, which everybody I'm sure loves. A man of passion. Passion. Passion for God. Who is that man? David. Absolutely passionate about God. Incredible passion. But there was one mistake or rather one weakness in David. Clearly it says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 17 to the kings he says, don't multiply wives. But you'll see that David is taking one wife after the other and ultimately that becomes his downfall. And that gets into the family. I think if if I'm right, it's about 17 partners David has. And Solomon uses the principle of compound interest. And exponentially multiplies the number of wives. Think about it. 700 wives. 300 concubines. I mean, even if it had to spend one night, how many? I mean, by the time he comes back in one route, periodic fashion. Four years, maybe, I don't know. Oh, you're my wife. Hi. See, just because he endorsed, he doesn't mean that he, that he, that he, just because he allowed, he doesn't mean that he endorses. And you know what happened? The mess created, it says in the book of Kings, the woman that he loved took his heart away, turned his heart away from God and he loved other gods. And that started off a crescendo, a, a domino effect in Israel. And you have one king worse than the other. Of course, after the split. So, Jacob loves, unfortunately, here in this case, he's he's in the old covenant. Okay, just give him a break. So he says, fine, I love Rachel. So he works for seven more years and because of his love, again, seven more years, one day. Jacob did so and he fulfilled her week and he gave Rachel to his daughter, to his daughter to wife also. So he got married again. And then, of course, trouble begins. And he went in also into Rachel. And look at this. He loved also Rachel more than Leah. Means he's completely enamored by this lady. Rachel, 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 Rachel. I don't know. Bajana. Rachel, 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 Rachel. I don't know. I mean, he was possibly just think about it. You know, what is what? He, what does it mean? He's trying to look for opportunities, even in his first marriage, to sneak out and spend more time with his second wife. I mean, completely. I mean, dedicated. But from his vantage point, it's, he says, "You know what? I love Rachel more than I love Leah." Okay, I love Leah, but I don't love her as much as I love Rachel. But that is his vantage point. But look at God's vantage point. This is interesting. And when the Lord saw, Leah was, ah, Lord saw that Leah was hated than 
Getting the picture? You know what God is saying? When I see every earthly relationship that you are involved in, when I compare it to my relationship, there's only two options. There is no more love and less love. It is either love or hate. That's the point. Oh, you'll say, come on Vijay, you're just dragging this, extrapolating it. I mean, you're an engineer, no? You look at equations and you extrapolate it. Let's see another place. The word uh, hate in the Hebrew is sane, 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 samek nun. A. Aleph. Sane. Where does it occur again? Let's see another place. This is in Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments. Look at what it says. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down yourself to them nor serve them for I, thy Lord, thy God, am a jealous God. I mean, it's, in, it's, it's, it's like jealous meaning, uh, it says in Proverbs, jealousy is a husband's fury. He doesn't like uh, this, uh, what do you call, divided loyalties. Okay. Absolutely. I want you to, for myself. That's it. I want you for myself. You're mine. I bought you with a price. That's what it says. You're not your own. You're not your own. You're bought at a price. You're not your own. I purchased you. You are mine. I cannot tolerate divided loyalties. And look at what it says. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that ah them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You see? First comes what? What comes first? Love and then commandments. You see the order? If you love me you will keep my commandments. And my commandments will not be burdensome. It's just because you love me so much. Absolutely loyal to me. I mean, I'm just looking at our lives. One of the things that I, I'm sure it happens in every one of our lives in different levels. But especially if you come from non-Christian backgrounds, the moment you follow the Lord, I mean, even if you come from Christian backgrounds, if your parents don't believe, they're not born again, the moment you accept the Lord as your Savior, you see, remember that, uh, remember last Pastor James was talking about Thomas, call him the doubting Thomas, and it's in scripture it's called Thomas the Twin. I don't know why they use the word twin. But Thomas says, unless I 
feel him. Okay. I will not believe. And then, Jesus appears the second time after eight days. And Thomas, and he comes and says, Thomas, touch me, Thomas. But touch me, believing. And when Thomas touches him, he uses something very powerful. He says, my what? Lord and my God. It's powerful in the Greek. Means my Lord, my God. That means you're now he looks at him and he says, God, you are my God, you are my master. I'm yours. And he says, You know what, Thomas? You saw me and you believe. Blessed are those who do not see me and yet believe. And let me tell you something: the moment you genuinely believe, and if you come from parents who do not believe, you know what happens? Immediately there is a strain in every relationship. Period. It's gonna happen. Be prepared for that. Be prepared for that because they will not be able to understand, even if they have Christian backgrounds, even if they are not born again. They will not understand. Francis Schaeffer. Uh, he got converted when he was a teenager. And his father and mother, they were not believers. And then even, even as he was growing up, he got a call. He felt the call of God that he should go and serve God and he should go into the ministry and therefore he wanted to enroll himself into the seminary. His father didn't even you know, want him to get educated. But one day, the story is that uh, he applies for this college and he gets this admission. And after he gets this admission, uh, there's a deadline that he has to respond within the deadline that, you know, he has accepted the admission. And his father says, no. You can't do it. Either it is my will or your will. I mean, and he says, it was very difficult for him. So he immediately goes down to his basement and he just breaks into tears. He says, Lord, Lord, what should I do? And this word comes to his mind. If any man does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, cannot be my disciple. Then he goes up, prays, and he goes up and he looks his father in his eye and he says, Dad, I love you. I respect you. But I have to go. My God needs me more. You know what happened later on? Father couldn't do anything. He left the home. And after he left the home, a few years later, I mean a few, maybe decades later, his father got saved. And he told his son, he said, you know what, if you would not have been as decisive as you were on that day, when I felt that you hated me and you loved your God, if you would not have shown me that testimony, I would never have become a believer. You know, many Christians, they're not radical. And therefore, you know, they become stumbling blocks. They'll say, you know what? You love your God. And if you really love your God, are you absolutely crazy about Him? Crazy about Him? And because they're not crazy, and one one atheist said, very powerful statement, he says, I hate Christians who don't try to convert me. That's remarkable, isn't it? That's remarkable. It shows what, how divided our hearts are. We think that we can 
We can love God and we can also love the world. It's impossible. That's that's what it says in Second Kings chapter 17, verse 30, 33. It says, they feared God and they also worshipped their idols. But God said, that is not done with me. So what are the lessons that I need to learn here? No earthly relationship can take the place of God. If it does, if it really does, this is what you're saying. I mean, if you, if you really, if it doesn't, if it, if you don't do that, only God can save, not man. If you actually give importance to an earthly relationship than God, you know what you're saying? My father or mother or wife, all children, they can save me and not God. They are my savior. My pastor or servant of God can save me and not God. That's what you're saying. But they are not your savior. They are not your savior. That's what you're trying to say. You're saying these people died for my sin. That's what you're saying. They have replaced that person has become your savior. And that happens in our country, right? Matru Deva Bhava. Sorry, you can be sentimental. Pitru Deva Bhava, Acharya Deva Bhava. And some cases, Pati Deva Bhava. And what does it mean? He is my savior. You are looking to this man to save you. But you know what Paul says? Paul makes a very fantastic statement. I want to show this to you from scripture. First Corinthians chapter 1 verses 10 to 13. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Oh boy, can you imagine a church like that? That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. There are contentions, there are divisions, there are are fightings among you. Why are there fightings among you? Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was what? Paul crucified for you? Now think about it, no? I just only want to listen to this preacher when he comes. Otherwise I'll just... You know what you're doing? What you're saying? You're not here to visit... Hear the voice of God. The person who's preaching has become your savior. You know, many many churches it happens. Who's preaching today? You know what you're doing? You are indirectly saying that you didn't go to the house of God to listen to God, but to man. And that person is your savior. He died for your sins. He was crucified for you. You are baptized in his name. That's what you say. And Paul goes on to say, I thank God that I did not baptize. Otherwise you would have made me God. You know, if you come to church prepared, I'm telling you, I was in a mainline denomination for several years. And if you know mainline denominations, I'm not judging anybody. I used to feel the sermons were boring when I was growing up. But you know what happened after I got saved and I was 18 years old, I got saved. I would go and I would listen. 
the person whom everybody said is a boring preacher, I would listen to him, I would get convicted, and I would come back home weeping. Weeping! And God is my witness, I'm not lying. You know why? I didn't go to the house of God to listen to man. I went to the house of God to listen to God. Think about it. You know, that is the reason why real, true discipleship puts strain on every earthly relationship. It challenges it. It shows it what it is. For some people, their parents are God. More God. It's remarkable how many, 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 many young people are like that in India. Especially boys. I don't know why. The umbilical cord. Right from childhood all the way to teenage to 20s to 30s. To 50s to 60s. Munna, let pastor says, Khana khaliya. Kya banai tumhari gharwali ne? Meri bahumne ne? Tumhari gharwali ne? remarkable. I, I, I told Shrikar one day, Shrikar said, Pastor, why is it like that? I told him, you know what, one of the job descriptions of a pastor is to put on his gloves, take the surgical knife, I'm sorry all doctors here, and cut off the umbilical cord. That's what they need to do. Because they have not released. That's what happened to Abraham. Tera. Tera. Thirteen. Ek, do, teen. Bharat. Know what I'm saying? Tera. For thirteen years. Literally for thirteen years. God, he, he never heard the voice of God. He's become a big stumbling block. You know what he was saying? My dad is my savior. My dad is my savior. My dad is my savior. So many people for, there for them. God is not their savior. Their dad and their parents are their saviors. And most of them are stumbling blocks to them. You need to make that this year. You honor them. And especially this is a challenge for people who come from non-Christian backgrounds. I'm not, I cannot, I don't know, I cannot empathize meaning, I can sympathize with you, but I cannot empathize with you because I did not go through the same experiences. For me, when my, when I got saved, my parents were so happy. Okay. Only people who understand Telugu will understand the sarcasm there. Hmm? And my dad used to sarcastically say, He used to sing that song. To irritate me. You see, we were very happy. I mean, oh, boy, thank God this guy somehow he got saved. That was my parents response. But most of you, I'm sure, most of you coming from different backgrounds, it is not the case. It is not the case. So, I sympathize with you, can't empathize. But I'm sure it's a battle for you. But you know, this year you need to ask God, God, if this year is a year of destiny, teach me to hate the way you want me to hate. Teach me to hate. Teach me to hate. Only when I hate, only then I truly love them. Only then I truly love them. Then they'll see this fire. They'll say, what is this God? Who is this God? They'll be driven to jealousy. Remember that 
It's like this, no? That's what he says. You Gentiles have to drive these unbelieving Jews to jealousy. That's what he says. These people who are a part of this so-called mainline congregation, they see the fire in you. They said, I thought I was worshipping the same God. And look at this guy. What is this fire? You should ask this question. They should ask that question. They should be driven to jealousy. You know what that means? Uh, think, think about, you know, I have two daughters with me in my home and, you know, they play with toys. The toys get old very fast. Okay? So they play with it. You give them a new stuffed toy, they take it and they play with it. Ah, one day, two days, two weeks, three weeks. After that, they get bored with it and they throw it out. And suddenly, you know what happens? After two months, one friend comes home. Right? Friend comes home, they all want to play with the toys and they will look at the, to- the toy that they threw away. Suddenly, Abhinir will say, how come? Nadi, Nadi. I'm not, I'm not kidding, okay? I'm not kidding. I remember sometime back, I've seen that in my home, okay? Dad, right? I'm, his, I'm their father, okay? Abigail and Emmanuel, for those who don't know, they're my children. I learn a lot from them. It's, they don't re, it's not, I don't spend so much, many, much time, you know, putting them on the lap. Not much. But every now and then, Siri is not here, okay? If I just put Siri on my lap like that, suddenly Emmanuel will come. Abigail also will come. 25 kilos. You see, something happens, you see. That is what has to happen. That's what should happen. You love God so much and suddenly this God whom I despised, what is this about him? They'll be driven to jealousy. That is what it means to hate. Let's move on. Let's learn a few more lessons. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5. Look at what he says. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Look at that. The moment you look to man as your savior, what happens to your heart? Your heart has departed from the Lord. You know, Lord does not see that divided loyalties. He's very binary. One or zero. Either you're completely with me or you're zero with me. There is no middle ground. Whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. And the next verse, oh sorry, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. Whose hope is the Lord. Understand that saints. Many people are depressed. You know why? Because your hope is not the Lord. Martin Lord Jones wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. And in that book, he, he actually is a 12 sermons in, in concisely put in a book. And the thesis of the book is from one verse in Psalms 42. Verse 5. Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within 
me or depressed, discouraged within me. Put your hope in God. What does it teach me? Why am I downcast? Why am I depressed? Because my hope is not God. My hope is something else. My hope is this person. My hope is this career. My hope is this medal. My hope is whatever. Your hope. I mean, I was just doing a uh, statistics, you know, how many medals India won in all its Olympic appearances till 2016? Any guesses? Okay, I'll give you a range. Less than 20? Less than 10? Less than 30? Come on. Less than 10. Rishi is absolutely killer. He says less than 10. No, 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 he's wrong. <laughs> You're also wrong, see? See? You guys said, come on guys, we are Indian, Baba. Thoda to baksh do. 30 fold, minimally, no? But not even 30 fold, 28. Till 2016, the total number of medals, including gold, silver and bronze, and they won gold only in hockey during those days when there was no astroturf. Remember? Only those days. Including gold, silver and bronze, there are 28 medals. 1.3 billion people equal to... You know who is the most celebrated Olympian? Most decorated Olympian? Max. Who is that? Michael Phelps. 21 gold medals. 21! It's remarkable. I mean, I must, this guy is as a machine. You know what he used to do during those Olympic games when I used to watch him like anything, okay? He said, what is your, what is your diet? I eat, I swim, I eat, I swim, I eat, I swim, I eat, I swim. That's what he used to do. That's his routine. I eat, I swim, I eat, I swim. I eat, I swim equal to 21 gold medals. 1.3 billion people. In all their history, 28 medals. And when we get one silver, we take her to the... One. And we get upset with RGV. Ram Verma, of course, for those people who... You see? But you know what happened to this guy? Yesterday. This was yesterday's news, okay? He said, I was... The, 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 the headline says... Phelps, I thank God I did not kill myself. I was shocked. This is CNN, okay? This way. I was shocked. I said, what? And then, I go to the website. This is the story. Suffering from depression. They asked Michael Phelps, Phelps! You must have worked really hard to get those 21 medals. You know, he said, that was the easy part. The tough part was, after I got those medals and I came back home, I felt so empty. I wanted to kill myself. I'm not kidding, guys. This is, this is headline news in mainline media. Mainstream media. It's remarkable. And he said, and he said, that is precisely the reason why I got into, I got into marijuana because I couldn't find satisfaction. Ian Thorpe was, was, uh, was, you know, one of the 
greatest swimmers who was a senior of uh, Michael Phelps. He was he was the decorated swimmer before Michael Phelps. He challenged Michael Phelps. He said, "Michael, it is impossible for you to get eight gold medals in any any single Olympics." And you know what he did? This guy put that. It is it. Ian Thorpe said, "I it is impossible for me to get eight gold medals. I'm going to prove him wrong." That is 2008 or 2012, if I'm right. And he got eight gold medals. And you know what he said? I came back home. I wanted to kill myself. You know, I wanted to, I, I could just look at that and I said, you know what? If your hope is not in God, if your hope is not in God, any path you choose is going to kill you. Every idol will demand your blood and it will give you nothing in return. It will demand you. Demand your life. You fill yourself. That is the reason why God said I placed eternity in your heart. And who can fill that eternal space? Only an infinite God can fill that eternal space. And you know what he tells through John's gospel? He said, if you love me and you keep my commandments, I and my father with the spirit will come and we will make our abode in you. And we will fill that eternal gap. Every other dream is only going to shatter you. Young people, let me tell you something. As your senior elder brother, not of, I'm not your father, I'm your elder brother for sure, and I'm not like the elder brother of prodigal son for sure, I love you. Whatever the case, no girl, no career, no movie, no talent, no career is worth it. Take it from me. You find God. He who has the son has life. That is so. And he who does not have the son does not have life. But the wrath of God abides in him. And if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Otherwise you will be in bondage to your idol and your idol will ultimately swallow you. And that is the reason why God hates, you know what he says, unless you hate. You don't understand when I'm saying hate, I'm telling you because I love you so much. Only I can fulfill your dreams. I can. John's Gospel chapter 12 verses 25 to 26. He who loves his life will lose it. But, everybody read it. He who hates his life, what? Where? In this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this world. You'll find it. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And you know what that honor will be? You know what Paul will say? These light and momentary afflictions are, are preparing me for what? Eternal weight of glory. I'm going to give you that. Eternal weight. What do you want? 
And I'm telling you honestly, in my limited experience as a Christian and in my limited experience in the ministry, God is not worth substituting. I experienced that. Every other earthly relationship, even your husband, if he is your savior, he is going to disappoint you. If your wife is your savior, she's going to disappoint you. That is the reason why Paul, you know, Jesus said, you know what? There are eunuchs <laughs> who have been born as eunuchs. They're eunuchs who have become eunuchs because of medical issues. But there are eunuchs who have made, been made eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, and not everybody can receive it. But blessed are you if you receive it. You know what Peter will say? It is better for not a first not to get married. And Jesus does not disagree. <laughs> he does not disagree. Okay. Keep that in your mind. No earthly relationship. No. You say, you know what? You are my life. To meri jaan hai. Nonsense. Okay. Tumari jaan nikalne wali hai. So to hai. Okay. Don't ever. Only God can fill your gap, saints. No earthly relationship. Even a minister. Learn that. Next part. Let's go back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 25 to 26. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his, etc, etc, okay, remember, I want to look at his, does not hate his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. What does this mean? Very simple. You want to serve God? He will not tolerate divided loyalties. No one can serve two masters for either he will wow, hate the one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. That's what happened to the rich young ruler. He loved. Jesus loved him. He said, sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Come and follow me. But mammon was his savior. You know something? Even in your company, even if you are working for the same company and you have one boss and another boss, you can only love the one and hate the other. Have you experienced? I experienced in my life. Okay. There was one day, one time when I was working for my, for as a faculty in IIIT. They gave me in a semester three courses to teach. And if you come to engineering, it's a killer. It drains you out completely. But the problem was, I was working in a lab as a as a researcher, my lab was not paying me. My university was paying me. So as far as my research is concerned, 
my advisor was my boss. As far as my teaching was concerned, my director was my boss. Okay. And I used to fail deadlines in my research. My advisors to come to me and he said, Vijay, come on, Vijay, paper deadline, paper deadline, paper deadline, paper deadline. I said, sir, in the Bible it says, no one can serve two masters. Either it, he will love the one and hate the other. He will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Director is on my head, you are on my head, whom should I serve? He was very angry. I am going to call and talk to PJN now. I am going to talk. I said, sir, 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 sir. I didn't say that in my heart. You are not paying me. He is paying me. See? See? It happens even in a company, I am sure. Which boss will, <laughs> will be happy if you are loyal to your, his parallel? Possibly hate that. God is saying, either you are hundred percent for me, or you're not. In many ways, that's what He says. Look at what it says in James chapter four, verses four to five: adulterers and adulteresses. Very, very careful with gender. Okay, because we have male adulterers, female adulterers. That's what it means. Okay. Do you not know that friendship with the world is... Do you believe that? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes God his enemy. Oh boy. How many of you want God to be your enemy? See, he's not going to tolerate Sirf mera friend hai. Toh kya hai? You know, it happens, right? I mean, when you're, when you're, uh, in uh, your courting days, uh, oh, koon hai? Tumhari? Bagal mein? Betne wali? Oh, mera friend hai. Friend! Expressions will change. Tone will change. Friend! Friend hante? Friend hante friend hai. See? And suddenly enmity will start. See? God, and same thing in every earthly relationship. It's like that. That's what it says. You cannot. Look at another place. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I mean, so precise. So precise. You know, uh, I think Thomas Chalmers, if I'm right, his name. Very old uh, preacher. Thomas Chalmers? How many of you know it? Thomas Chalmers, yeah. He wrote, uh, he, he preached a sermon called Expulsive Power of a Competing Affection. Expulsive Power of a New Affection. If you really want to fall in love with something, what you have to do is, you can't kill the desires of it. I mean, if you want to, let's say, concentrate on God and not concentrate on the world, you cannot just kill your desires of the world. You have to replace the desires that you have for the world with greater desires towards God. See, that is how you, how you 
fight. Do you fight desire with desire? Fire with fire, in other words. Okay, enough said. Let's go to the next. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's continuing, continuation of that. This, this is seamless progression, okay? We're just taking flavors of it. They're not like points. They're just flavors. It's continuity. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And Luke 9 will exposit it a little more. He said to them, if anyone desires to See that, see that word? Come after me again. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross. When? Daily and follow me. So I need to ask myself this question. What does it mean to hate? Is the first question. What does it mean to carry the cross? Is the second question. We may be having several ideas, I'm sure. I mean, they all could be right. And I'm looking at a, it, it in, a, in a different perspective, what does it mean to, to carry a, carry the cross in a new way? And not, not necessarily a new way, in a way that is, uh, which, which is in line with today's message. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8, and we know that Jesus is a pattern. If you, uh, look at today's, uh, uh, devotion, you'll understand what I'm trying to say here. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was God, got that? He was what? God. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, meaning he didn't hold on to his rights as God. He held it loosely. He was willing to get rid of it. Every time he would say, Lord, your will be done, not my will. So what he was in effect saying, yes, I am God, but in this situation, who is God? You are God. I am not God. You got that? That's what he's trying to say. Look at that, okay? Keep that. Keep that in your mind. You are God. I am not God. How do we get this again? How do we understand this? We look at again a story in the old covenant. Remember the story. Twelve brothers reach Egypt. Okay, they settle down with their father. Israel blesses the twelve tribes. And after that he dies. Okay, he dies. And after the death of Jacob, the eleven brothers are scared. Or ten brothers are scared. Now that our father is dead, He will kill me. Okay. Now that our father is dead, he will kill me. Now Joseph is a type of Christ. Keep that in your mind, okay? Joseph is a type of Christ and everybody is scared now. They're shivering. So they say, they sent, um, um, and they sent a word. Remember that what my, what our father said after I die, don't, don't kill your brothers. This is just follow the story now from Genesis chapter 15 verse 17 onwards. Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, Please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when he spoke to them. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And look at Joseph's answer. This is powerful. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For am I in the 
place of God. It's remarkable. Am I God? Remember that guy, uh, Naman? Remember Naman? Naman wants to get, to, uh, somebody says to Naman, there is one guy called Elisha in Israel. Go to him. You will be saved. You will be cured of your leprosy. So Naman, he's he packs his money, he gets his donkeys and he comes to Israel and he goes to the king of Israel. Where is that prophet? I want to be healed. And what does that fellow do? He tears his clothes and he says, Am I God? Remember, Rachel, she does not conceive. She says, Give me children, give me children, give me children. And what Jacob says? Am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? It's remarkable. Carrying the cross means again to either God is God or you are God. That's what it means. Either God is God or you are God. And Joseph is looking at his brothers and he says, guys, what? You didn't understand my heart. Am I in the place of God? what exactly happened, right? If you are really God, come down and we will believe. Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Same. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters. Every time you withhold forgiveness, you are saying, I am God and the others are not. God is not God. I will not forgive. You hold on to bitterness. You hold on to unforgiveness. You know what you are saying? He deserves it. Mera bas ho to, uska dekh And if you really have the power, you would kill him. Really? You withhold forgiveness from people. You know what you're saying? I am God. I am God. How many of you need to extend forgiveness today? Ask yourself this question. I'm not pointing fingers to anybody. Think about it. Extend forgiveness. You're holding crutches deep down inside of your heart. Romans chapter 12 verse 17. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Look in another place. It goes on. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Why? If you want to hate your enemy, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fires on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me tell you something. This is precisely the philosophy between the non-violent moment. Gandhi just literally plagiarized this from the Bible and he applied it and he got the freedom for our nation. He said, if somebody slaps you, show them the other cheek from where did you get that? He got it from the Sermon on the Mount and he used it 
principle of non-cooperation and he got the freedom for our country and today we are living in a place wherein we want to kill. We want to kill. This nation. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. This is the way of the cross. I mean, I'm not saying this. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter 2. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Boy, that is the way of the cross saints. That is the way of the cross. That is the way of the cross. And of course this is in context with earthly masters. And every time you rebel against your master in your church, in your company, you know what you're saying? I am God. I am God. I am God. May they clung guys go. Let's move on. Now Jesus gives two analogies. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he, is a, he has enough to finish it. So it's very important. No, it's always important. To finish your race is important. You know, one of the things that I always want to look at people. I want to follow people who finish what they have started. You know, when I, when I first came to church in 2008, when we uh, were, were a part of this church, I, Pastor James used to drop me to my home on his bike. Okay. And we used to have fantastic times of fellowship and used to mentor me. And he said, Vijay, if you come to me and tell me God has called you into full-time ministry, you know what I'll tell you? Go and finish your PhD. Go finish. And then come. How will I entrust something into your hands when you have not proven that you can finish what you have started? Now that was the connotation, if you will. And so many believers, they are, they don't finish. You, you are not a BTEC until, and unless you have finished your BTEC program without any backlogs. You cannot say MBBS, two backlogs left. Think about it, no? Think about it. I, I, I just want to, I always imagine this, right? Uh, some guy says doctor, so and so, and he has a consultancy. I just want to ask him, what is your marks? Nobody puts their marks. Have you ever seen a doctor putting their marks? Doctor so-and-so, MBBS, MD, so-and-so so in, in, in anatomy. Anatomy, I just passed. Just passed. Anatomy just passed and I have to give my anatomy to her hands? You see? That is the reason why you know, there is, there is, if you see, there is no excellency among ministers of the world also. They have just one gift. But there is no depth. They have one gift and they'll make a monument. You know what a monument is? Have you seen that? Mike? Always like this. I don't know why I have the gift of the gab. That's all you have. When I listen to you, no depth. No depth! Think about guys, no? 
Think about engineers who are structural engineers. Just past in strength of materials. What are you? I am constructing Hyderabad Metro. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. No wonder the metro is going so slow. That fellow is very, very careful. Break, 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 break. Think about it. See, the blessing is not in starting saints. The crown is not for those who started the race. The crown is for those those who finished the race. I have what? Fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I finished the race. Now, a crown of righteousness is waiting for me. And not only to me, for everyone who loves his appearing. It is not for those who start the race is the crown. Okay. Yes, a race is not for the swift, for sure. But race is for those who finish, whether you're swift or fast. Slow. It doesn't matter your pace. You know, you know the story of hair and the tortoise. Right? You know, I don't have to tell you that. So, lest after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And then he goes on to say, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way away, great way off, he sends a delegation, asks conditions for peace. So likewise, likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all cannot be my disciple. You know what he's trying to say? If you have begun this construction, it takes everything from you. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity. I'm sure some of you know it. And he wrote a chapter. In that chapter, the title of the chapter, of the heading of the chapter is Cost of Discipleship. And he says one thing very fantastic. He said, very interesting analogy, he says. He says, whenever I used to have a toothache, I used to hate my toothache. I, I used to hate it for two reasons. First of all, I should go to my mother. And mother would immediately give me an aspirin. Okay, but the problem is, mother would not just stop at giving me an aspirin. Aspirin. The next day, she would be take me to the dentist, and then you go to the dentist. As that old poem says, some tortures are physical, some tortures are mental, and the one which is both is dental. That fellow will look at that root canal, sir, there is one black thing over here, there is another here, decay over here. He is going to invade your teeth. And you know what C.S. Lewis says? I hate that. I would rather have my pain cured, but I never wanted to go to the dentist. But the problem is when God comes, he is going to invade everything in your life. Everything. Everything. Your time, your money, your resources, your relationships, everything. And if you want to finish this, it will take everything from you. Every ounce of your energy is is going to be required to finish this. That is the reason why Paul says, I labor to this end. Not with my own strength, but with the strength that God gives me. I labor because I want to finish this race. Everything. No half-hearted Christians. And the problem is, in the last days, on the day of judgment, you will find many buildings half 
constructed. Any. That's the start straight of affairs. You think everybody will finish the race? No. No, 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 no. They will just quote that verse when they die. What does it mean? It means something. If I try to build my secular life and I also want to build my spiritual life, God says, forget it. It's not going to work. Not going to work. They are not two different, mutually exclusive jobs. Haggai chapter 1. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai to prophet saying, Is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Half constructed? In shambles? It's an embarrassment to me. And you call this a house of the living God, the creator of the world? Look at it. It's an embarrassment. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring the wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. You looked for much. Indeed, it came to little. And when you brought brought it home, it blew it away. Why, says the Lord? Because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. You try to build your life at the expense of building your relationship with God. It is not going to work. It is going to be a half-constructed embarrassment. Warren Wearsby wrote a fantastic book, my, one of my favorite books on being servant of God. I go to this all the time to get some solace. Look at what he says. He says, your secular life and your church life, they are not mutually exclusive. Your family life, the building of the church and the building of the home are not mutually exclusive. Look at what he says. The best thing my wife and I, and I the best thing that my wife and I could do for the churches we served was to build a good home. The best thing for the church was to build a good home and raise children who were credit to the Lord and to the church. And the best thing that we could do to our home was to build a good church for our children to attend. The two became one. Boy. The best thing we could do for our church is to build a godly home. And the best thing that I could do for our home is to build a godly church. And the two are one. Two are one. They're not two different things. So if you're trying to build your home at the expense of of the church, of your relationship with God, boy, you're going to have an an embarrassment. Embarrassment. Sometimes I feel, no? You remember that uh, secretariat flyover? It was not constructed for a while. Okay? And I used to have Deccan Chronicle those days and used to have this cartoon. Okay? There was near the Telugu Talli, there was one part half constructed and the other part was near the lower tank burn. Big gap. And the carton said, you want to look at the flyover? Car flying over. You see? Embarrassment. One like, like that? Oh saints, it's going to take everything from your life. Be prepared for that, okay? Be prepared. And you're considering Christianity. Some of you are considering baptism. Baptism. Boy, you get into the waters of baptism. You know what you're doing? You're getting into trouble with God 
with the principalities of darkness, with everybody who is half-hearted. So don't say, don't become, make it a sentimental thing. This is serious business. It's going to take everything. Everything. See? You know, I was hearing Derek Prince. Somebody asked him, what is the, uh, what is the confirmation that you had the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know what he said? Trouble. Trouble started after I got baptized. Especially in the Holy Spirit. Troubles will start. Trouble will start for you. Second analogy. Few more minutes and we'll be done. Second analogy is that of a war. You know what it means? This is a war unto death. No negotiation at all. Judges chapter 2 and verse 1 onwards. Then the angel of the Lord came from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your father. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land and you shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns on your side and their gods shall be a snare to you. And so it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these things to all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voices and wept. And wept. You can't negotiate with the flesh. You can't negotiate. You know what it says in Ephesians? Don't even give a foothold to the devil. You know, it's like the old Arab with his camel. It's literally that. Poor camel, poor camel. One day, that camel is in and that fellow is out. That's exactly what's going to happen. No negotiations. And finally... He ends with this. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Look at another passage. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. What? Is this salt? Matthew chapter 9 and verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it out. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Where and then? For everyone will be seasoned with fire Every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? You know what it means? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light. What does it, what does salt do? It does two things. It gives flavor and it also delays decay. Everybody knows it, no? Why? Because you want to Delay the decay. Okay? And the second thing, it also gives flavor to food. Get the food. This is chicken curry. Uppu takundi. Okay? And you will quote a poem also. Uppu leka ruchi puttaka nerchanataya bhaskara. And then suddenly, because of your sarcasm, your wife will get the 
get the salt. And then you put the salt and you taste it. And you say, Uppu chala baundi. Will you say that? You will never say the salt is very good. Say the chicken curry is very good. Otherwise you will get the entire chicken curry in your head. In our language we call it kodi vepudu. Okay, you'll get it on your head. What does it mean? First thing. Salt means you de- you slow the decaying process. Meaning, in the church or wherever you are in your offices, if you are a person who is decay, delaying the decay, then you are salt. I remember, huh? I mean, very vivid. No? When I was just two, three months, two, three years into the program in my, in my university. My, all my colleagues used to, used to discuss girls, everything they'd be discussing. Suddenly, I just enter into the lab, pin drop silence. Everybody will go to the desks like that and they will start working. Does it happen to you? Or when you enter into the lab, one day, Ramama, discussion everything. If you Oh, the latest movie. Your two mites also will come. Have you become salt? No. No. It's a challenge, saints. It's a challenge. Another thing in the church. Are you salt? Are you salt to one another? Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 4. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer to each one. Whenever you get into a conversation with your brothers, you edify them. After you finish the conversation, are they really exalted? Like Ravi Zakaria said, no? Some people bring happiness wherever they go. Some people bring happiness whenever they go. Are you the whenever the category? I'm talking about in the in the church. Oh, this lady, oh gossip, gossip, gossip. Is it that? What is your relationship? How is your conversation? I mean, that is a challenge for me. I tell, I tell myself, Lord, when I meet my brothers, I should be a positive influence. I tried that even with young people. Young meaning children. Children. I used to, I'm honestly, when I started, I used to get irritated with them. Now I started practicing and I said, Lord, I want to be a positive influence. I want to be a positive influence to Charan. I want to be a positive influence to Siri. I want to be a positive influence to Raksha. I want to be a positive influence to Anu. I want to be a positive influence to uh, Abigail and Emmanuel and all the children in the school. I'm tough with them. But you know what? One compliment I got from Raksha. Pastor Vijay is so cute. Thank God. Thank God. Otherwise, I thought they hate, they hate me. I said, wow. I love that. And I, I, she's so cute, no? I said, 
once once i called her i said she's, she's whenever i teach them i get when she when they get distracted i get irritated i said raksha what's your problem she looked at me i don't know <laughs> how am i supposed to know what my problem is <laughs> you are the one who's supposed to know pastor vijay so kirasada thank you jesus you don't know you know i'm just looking for that i want to be a positive influence they should not hate me yeah they'll say vijay is tough but he's a loving guy so you can enjoy the time with him they you can learn to worship the way he enjoys to sing the song the way he learns the lyrics and whatever it is boy i want to be that influence in your life i want you to be i want to be a signpost to jesus let your speech always be be sweet salt with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how to ought to answer to one another edify that is the reason why it says let the word of god dwell in you richly it's not his word of christ dwell in you richly speaking to one another with what psalms and hymns and spiritual songs i like the word hymns and psalms and spiritual songs in that order see how do you speak to each other this year that is the cost to disciple count the cost but you know what it's this joy there there's a joy in that one small voice saying pastor vijay is so cute i like that positive influence you see finally the exhortation for the day he who has ears to hear <laughs> let him hear let me tell you something you know what it tells me do you have a teachable spirit do you have a teachable spirit you have that i want that i want that i want people to tear me apart left right and center i don't want people to mollycoddle me and say ah oh, vijay what will you think if i say anything about his sermon i don't want that i don't i'm not looking for that you know i want to be an elisha i said lord elisha lord elisha elisha i want to be that you want to be one you want to be one I want to be a Joshua lord. I want to be a Joshua doesn't matter. Okay, let people scold me, smite me. I'm looking at the price there. I want to be that. I want to be that. I want to be an influence in my generation. I want to be a signpost for God. I want to be a salt. I want to be a disciple. He was yours to hear. Let me hear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Challenge us today. You are a father who wants to give good things to your children, and because you love us, you rebuke us, you chastise us, you discipline us, so that we may be made partakers of your holiness when we endure the chastisement and the discipline. Father This year Lord you said Lord it's going to be a year of destiny that everyone in this church fulfill God's destiny for their lives To that end I pray Lord you would bless us as a church 
It is your will that everyone finish the race. It is your will that everyone receive the commendation. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Take charge of densities. It is your will. It is your will, Lord. You said, Lord, if you being evil fathers can give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven? Oh, Lord. We want to love you, Lord. We want to honor you. We want to honor those people whom you have placed us under. We want to make you proud. So that one day you can say to the powers of darkness, Have you seen my servant? There is none like him. A man upright and blameless and the one who fears the Lord and has choose evil. Oh Lord, we don't have plan B. Challenge us to that and we pray. Challenge every one of, one of us here, especially the young, young ones here. My brothers, my contemporaries, my juniors here. <clears throat> I pray Lord Jesus that every one of us will lead by example. Will be that signpost in this generation. They will look at us. And they will follow Jesus. They will hear us. And they will follow Jesus. Oh Lord, bless us to that end. We thank you Father, we praise you. We worship you. We give you glory, we give you honor. This evening, just can you just stand up this evening, just surrender. I'm, I'm just encouraging each one of you. Pastor. Encouraging, just, just, just a few minutes, just a few minutes. In your own in your own words, in your own words, just, just lift up your voice, lift your hands and say, Lord, I surrender, Lord, I surrender. Speak out if you want to. Lord, let this year, Father, even as you have promised this church that this year will be your year of destiny, I want to fulfill God's good, pleasing and perfect will in my life. Let that be your prayer. Let that be your prayer this, eve, this, this morning. And to that end, God says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't neglect fellowship. Don't neglect the teaching of the word. Don't neglect your time with the Lord. Don't neglect devotion with God. Build a relationship with Him. Let Him show you what is His will for your life one day at a time. Offer your bodies this morning. It says, it is the altar which sanctifies the sacrifice this morning. The day you offer your bodies on the altar and you say, Lord, my body for the Lord and He would sanctify it. It is the altar which sanctifies the body. It is the altar which sanctifies the sacrifice. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, we want to fulfill your destiny for our lives, oh Lord. Oh God, oh Lord, we don't want to be rebellious, oh Lord. We don't want to shorten your hand in our lives because of our unbelief, oh Lord. Oh God, oh God, we don't want to be like the children of Israel, oh Lord. Who rebelled in the day, transgressed, and you said and you swore in in your wrath that you will not enter my rest. Oh Lord, let it not be said about any one of us here, oh Lord. 
Oh God, oh God, I pray, Lord, you would touch us, oh Lord, touch us, oh Lord. You said, Lord, that you will circumcise our hearts, that we will love you with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. Oh Father, do it, oh Lord. Do it, oh Lord. Circumcise our hearts, oh Lord, that we may love you. Oh Jesus. Young ones, I pray, Lord, that you would touch them, Lord. Touch them, touch them, Lord. Especially teenagers, oh Lord, who are in the crossroads of decision. Father, so many people in the valley of decision, and I pray, Lord, that this year they will make a stand. They will take a stand for God. They will take a stand for God. And they will say, as for me, I don't know about my household. As for me, I will serve the Lord all the days of my life. Oh, Jesus, bless us to that end. Bless us to that end. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you, Father, for our mentors, O Lord. We thank you, Father, for our pastor. Thank you, Father, for his faithfulness. We bless him in your name, O Lord. We bless him in your name, O Lord. I pray, Lord, for a double portion of your anointing to rest over your servant, O Lord. Even as he leads this church, O Lord, Father. I pray, Lord, you would grant him wisdom, discernment, understanding, more revelation and insight into your scripture. So that he will be able to lead us all, O Lord, Father. And Lord, that we will, Lord, surrender, submit, and follow. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.